Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. And welcome to <laughs> But It Was Aliens, the extra extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe paranormal activity to determine whether that activity really was paranormal. And we also probe whether Mr. Moonwalker's voice is breaking. Hosting this week's episode is I, Kev, and alongside me with no idea what's coming up today, as I just said, is Mr. Granville Moonwalker. <laughs> Today, we are heading to November the 2nd, 1957. On this famed day, well, technically the day after, but you know, time zones, the then Soviet Union launched Prostashi Sputnik 2, the second spacecraft ever launched into orbit. This was 32 days after the first craft from Earth to enter space, Sputnik 1, had launched. Now, if you're watching what you believe to be primitive Earthlings and suddenly a craft pops into the sky, you may have some sort of reaction to that. Depends on what kind of technology they have as to your reaction to the craft entering the sky. You could either applaud them for finally getting there, or you could laugh at how pathetic it was. Or you could be worried that they're getting advanced. You could get worried. You could want to go and have a closer look to check out what sort of technology they are using. Or to laugh at them. Or get closer to point and laugh. (laughs) Sputnik 2 was the very first spacecraft to carry within it a living animal that would orbit the Earth. Laker was the world's first space dog. Sadly, the aircon was on the blink and Laker passed away on the fourth orbit of the Earth due to overheating. The Soviets actually lied about this for decades, claiming that Laker had survived for a week in space. Before Laker, fruit flies had been sent into space in 1947. In 1949, Albert II became the first monkey in space, but he passed away upon re-entry when the capsule parachute failed. Lots of monkeys, mice and dogs were sent to space, it turns out. Poor buggers. Anyway, the launch zone was 11 hours ahead of the US time zone. Within hours of Sputnik's launch, things started to happen. Predominantly, this was focused above West Texas. In Leverland, the sheriff's office was having a standard night when, as it often did, the phone rung. Police officer A.J. Fowler, who was on the night shift, picked up. The call was from a gentleman, Pedro Sorquido, a farm worker who it is fair to say was absolutely and entirely shitting his pants. Four miles west of town, Pedro had seen a 200-foot rocket rise from a nearby field and pretty much zoom straight towards Pedro's truck. Damn! Imagine that, you're sitting in your truck and it basically looks like a missile has just gone towards you. (laughs) Why me? Could you imagine all these animals that were sent up to space mm-hmm. like monkeys mice dogs what have you yep what would the reaction be if they sent one up and the rocket came back but there was no animal aboard? the animal would settled wherever <laughs> it was going they probably would be quite confused and 
actually that would be the sole reaction, wouldn't it? Confusion if they couldn't tell where the animal had gone. What? Do you think they would immediately jump to being pulverized? No. Radiation got in and extraterrestrial interference. No, I think that'd be pretty far down on the the list of theories as to what had happened. Let's go number one on my list. Do you want to know why? Why the truth? You ain't got time for that science bullshit. Just get straight to the truth. Exactly. I probably should have looked into what I'm about to ask you, but what do you reckon is the most unusual animal that's been sent to space? My first thought was an octopus. I don't know what animals have been sent to space. Well, lots of primates, monkeys and whatnot, dogs, cats, mice, rats, insects. Yeah, I know those, but plants. I don't know of any outside of those that have been sent. Well, that's what I'm saying. What do you reckon, just off the top of your head, would be the strangest one to send to space? Oh, okay. Like I say, my first thought was octopus. Just like, why would you send an octopus to space? Maybe it sprouted legs and started walking. A bear. Getting a bear in a spaceship would be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's not like when the if the craft came back and the bear was alive, it's going to be able to tell you his experiences either, is it? Or neither is any of the others. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why it'd be unusual. Like at least with a dog or a cat, you can potentially no, you couldn't study them, and they're not going to rip your head off. Like, study a bear. You're going to have to kill the bear, no, probably, not. or paralyze it. How are you going to study a bear? Just kind of coax it into where you want it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll let you do that. If you create a tunnel and then kind of how, um, oh, what's the nursery rhyme with the two children in the house of gingerbread and whatever it's called? Hansel and Gretel. That's the one. You just like lay meat, bear crumbs down. <laughs> And just let it follow in, and then it goes into like a room. You close the door behind it, and you study it from there. But you're still not getting close to do tests, are you? I mean, that's when you sedate it. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, but you got to get it there first. Coax it out of the <laughs> spaceship gradually. It turns out Pedro wasn't alone. Pedro had a second gentleman called the gentleman, a friend in the truck with him. That friend was Joe Salaz. The two chaps were absolutely terrified of the impending collision and to save their lives, Pedro launched out of the truck's cab and into a ditch to take cover, leaving Joe behind. Someone had to live to tell the tale. I was about to say, I love how you said to save their lives. And I was like, <laughs> he's just jumped out on his own. <laughs> Fuck so, your life. The rocket, AKA UFO, passed directly overhead accompanied by a huge blast as it did the blast sounded like thunder and rocked the ground and truck knocking out the engine that had still been running the truck's lights cut out too but weirdly once the ufo had passed both the engine and the lights came back on both were okay after the passing though i have no information on how joe handled being deserted do we know what this rocket looked like? Did it just look like a rocket? Just a rocket? Yeah, that's pretty much so, all the information we've got on this description. What's going through my head at the moment is looked like a missile, yeah. that a rocket launch or a missile launch was due to happen. Mm-hmm. And the stand fell over. And the rocket just <laughs> carried on firing. <laughs> 
imagine? And just went sideways. So, horizontal <laughs> rocket launch yeah. towards Pedro and Joe directly at their vehicle. Or like the power of it just kind of shook it off kilter. Mm. And that's why it went sideways instead of straight. Or someone done what they shouldn't have done and had an open flame near a set of missiles. <laughs> went to light a cigarette and boom, the rocket goes mm-hmm. off. Kind of thing that you would see in like comedy movies. Like Hot yeah. Shots. Yeah, absolutely. And Hot Shots part two. <laughs> Officer Fowler basically Fowler. laughed and assumed that the call was bullshit from a drunken fool. The call was ignored. An hour later, ring, ring, another call was made to the sheriff's office. Jim Wheeler reported seeing an egg-like object sitting in the road four miles east of Leverland. The egg had a blue glow and was blocking the road. You shall not pass. Joe got out of his vehicle as it shut down, but as Joe moved towards the egg, it suddenly took off. As the egg took off, the car turned back on. Then, ring, ring, another call. In the police station, the laughing stopped. This call relayed an almost identical story to the first. A married couple, 10.55pm, northeast of Leverland, Bright flash, UFO overhead, car shut off, UFO passed with a boom, car turned back on, married couple banged at the side of the road, called police. Officers were just about to be deployed when, ring, ring, another call, and another, and another. Suddenly, this UFO was being seen east, north, and west of Leverland. Next up, was Jose Alvarez, who saw the object at 11pm, 11 miles north of Leverland. The object was again sitting in the middle of the road. And he said... But the object quickly departed and Jose's vehicle came back on. So this is like an EMP egg? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You were really confused then, weren't you? I was figuring it out in my mind. (laughs) Going around, shutting off people's cars and turning them back on again as it leaves. Um, it's interesting, isn't it, that that happens to every person who's being passed by by this thing. My first thought is military object. Testing, Testing the powers EMP, of shutting off. Testing uh, yeah. Because this is... What year was this? This was 1957. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Reverse engineering some other alien tech that they received and testing that new alien tech on the general public. Alien tech? Mm-hmm. So you're going for military, but tech that they've got from aliens at an earlier point? Yes. Interesting. EMP testing <laughs> is interesting. At 11 o'clock, 11 miles north of Lebanon. At 12.05 a.m. Ring, ring! Another call. Newell Wright, a Texas Tech student, was driving 10 
miles east of Leverland for unknown student reasons <laughs> when suddenly Newell's car started cutting out and rolled to a stop. The lights dimmed. Newell got out and was about to check his car when Newell realised that there was what he thought to be a 100 foot long egg sat in the middle of the road. As Newell looked on, the egg launched off into the night sky. The car came back on. Come 12.15, ring, ring, another call. Officer Fowler picked up once again, thinking shit he messed up agreeing to the night shift. This time, it was a farmer, Frank Williams, who had also seen an egg-shaped object with a blue glow. Each time the glow got stronger, Frank's engine cut out. Ring, ring! Other callers included Ronald Martin at 12.45am and James D. Long at 1.15am, all seeing this peculiar UFO sitting in the road before shooting off. When truck driver Long saw it, he actually fainted. Several officers had been deployed by this point to investigate the sightings. What's the everyone doing up at this time? Seeing the sightings. What, where are they all going? What are they driving around for? To... They're up to shenanigans. <laughs> I think the student might have been up to shenanigans. I mean, they're all up to shenanigans. If you drive around where we live at 12.15, you do encounter other cars. It's not like it's completely dead. Yeah, but it's not the 1950s. Yeah, greasers were around in the 50s. Everyone loved... And plus, there was less places to go. People's kind of work-life balance was different. I will just also add completely off topic before I forget that D. Long, phenomenal name. <laughs> Killed your trial of thought there, haven't I? <laughs> shenanigans is what you were. Yeah, everyone's up to shenanigans. Why are they all out that late? Well, maybe they're all trying to get home. From where? What are they doing? Shenanigans. Work? Shenanigans. Um, yeah, you've completely killed my train of thought with that. Up to shenanigans. <laughs> I did have a question, but it's gone. Well, let's see if it jogs your ah, memory. I know what I was going to say. As I say <laughs> this sentence. <laughs> have you ever had your car cut, cut out. out whilst driving it? No, never. The very first car I ever owned wouldn't start because it had... This took years to work to find out, but... It turned out the CD player had been wired incorrectly to the engine slash ignition. And so you used to have to wait in the car from anything between five seconds to 20 minutes for a little buzzing sound to come from the CD player. Once that sound came, it would turn on. But before then, it would just go. Oh. And it wouldn't because it is such a random issue. It didn't show, I took it to several garages and it didn't show up in any diagnostic checks or anything. Yeah, because they wouldn't be looking there. Yeah, completely bonkers previous owner i guess did some shitty self-installation but that's the only car problem i've ever really had so i had my second car cut out on me as i put my foot on the accelerator and inconvenient went into the back of another car oh that was my a3 damn and then i ended up with the micro 
while my A3 was getting uh, fixed. Then the second time it happened was in my Cooper S New Year's Day, driving back at night. And then I got a... A blue hue and an egg in front of you. No one else on the road at all. Just the egg. Driving country roads. Came out of a junction. My car went, warning, oil pressure. Uh And then it just cut out. (laughs) And it just rolled into a stop. I'm fairly sure I can remember you mentioning this one at the time, but I don't remember the other one. Although I assume it was a lot longer ago. Whenever I had the A3. (laughs) Stuff like this does tend to happen to you a lot more than it does to me. I think this is further evidence that if either of me and you have been visited by alien slash probed it's definitely you (laughs) (laughs) probably Uh, my life is mundane in comparison i think every car i've had has had an issue it's those eggs the mark three golf oil problem sat at the garage getting fixed over winter had the tree all the crap from the tree above it drop on top of it and seep in and mould the fuck out the car. Crikey. Then the A3 with that issue. Then the TT, the aircon compressor sheared off whilst I was driving it. I was rattling around in the engine bay. Then the Cooper S was the oil fault. And then the Type R, I had the drive shaft shear. So Um, in summary... Aliens. (laughs) Aliens. <laughs> Every single one of those cars was a fantastic car until it went wrong. <laughs> and then got fixed and then the fantastic car again. That was a fantastic aeroplane until it blew up and killed everyone. <laughs> Moving on. Ring, ring! Like cars. <laughs> Another call. 1.30am. This time, it was the damn sheriff. Sheriff Weyer Clem and a deputy called Pat McCulloch were out investigating along Route 116 and it turns out they saw the UFO themselves too. That's right, the sheriff who was sent out to investigate and deal with the UFO on finding the UFO (laughs) called it in. The police officers had seen what they described as a giant egg craft looking like a red sunset across the sky, lighting up the whole pavement for a couple of seconds. Before you jump on this light being red rather than blue, remember, the Doppler effect means that light waves moving towards us are of shorter wavelengths and therefore experience blue shift, and light waves moving away from us are of larger wavelengths experiencing red shift. Therefore, in essence, we probably don't know what colour the UFO emitted, just whether it was coming towards or moving away from the observer at high speed. Science! Hmm. Is that, I was about to say, is that why sometimes when cars are coming towards you, you see that little blue tint? Potentially. Or is that part of the light itself? Possibly both. <laughs> Sheriff Warclem. What name? Yeah, and what a sheriff. Um, called out to solve the problem, gets there, sees an alien, calls it in. Was it called in just to clarify that it was real, or was it called in because he had no effing clue what to do? I think. And wanted backup? The latter. Or backup or instruction, or both? 
I'm going to go for backup <laughs> slash. Can the police help, please? <laughs> he was shitting it. Yeah, I think he thought it was absolute bullshit, got out, saw it himself and didn't know what to do and panicked. <laughs> Shit. Ain't no way there's a UFO out there. God damn, it's a UFO. <laughs> a second patrol vehicle manned by officers Lee Hargrove and Floyd Levin was also out investigating. Problems. They too encountered the craft and being respectable, no honourable and trustworthy officers. What did they do? That's right, they called in the sighting. <laughs> Next up, on the ring ringer phone to Officer Fowler at 1.45am was Ray Jones. Ray Jones! Levelands Fire Marshal. Ray too saw the craft in the sky. As Ray did, his vehicle cut out. With that, the Air Force were called in. I scoured sources ranging from How Stuff Works and The Morning Call Pennsylvania newspaper to Texas Monthly, History and Wikipedia and I couldn't verify who called the Air Force in. Maybe they picked up detections of this thing themselves. Maybe the thing themselves called it in. The Air Force sent a sergeant in and that sergeant was in the city more than seven hours. The sergeant interviewed Pedro Soquido, Jim Wheeler and Newell Wright and in some accounts another three of the witnesses, but unusually the Air Force didn't interview all of the witnesses. Meanwhile, two execs in nearby Odessa, Texas, named Wallace Scott and Milton Namkin, reportedly saw the same craft with weird lights flash through the clouds at 2.15am. There are about 134 miles between Leveland and Odessa. That's a two hour, 20 minute drive. It doesn't appear that the potential that this thing covered more of Texas has been explored. I was gonna say maybe the aircraft, aircraft? Air Force? Air Force are there because they already know what this is. They're like, shit, it escaped. <laughs> oh shit. People are seeing it now. Damn. Or maybe they released it purposefully to test, test it. it and they wanted to see what people's reaction were and to make sure there wasn't any suspicion on the military. Mm -hmm. So they were out there reinforcing it as they questioned people. Sir, tell us about that UFO you saw, you know. Guy. <laughs> the Air Force offered an official explanation. Of course they did. Ball lightning. Ball lightning is a rare occurrence in Moonwalker's pants. No. Rare to the point that some researchers continue to question its very existence. Though a 2014 study of 2012 standard lightning involving video cameras did appear to inadvertently prove an occurrence of ball lightning. Do you have that video? Not on me, but it's easy to find on Google. I did watch it. Suffice to say, ball lightning remains unexplained. <laughs> Mr. Moonwalker just looked at his balls rather shocked. Uh, the best ball theory is that when water and ice particles bump and separate, and there are differences in positive and negative charges in the clouds and ground, resulting in standard lightning hitting the ground, 
particles make their way into the air and attract each other, binding together and creating heat as they do. Balls, baby! There are loads of other theories out there, including particles gathering against glass, creating fields on the other side, which excite the air molecules, and the balls being remnants of other dimensions, which would explain why we can't recreate them in lab conditions. At time of recording, we don't know for definite how they come to be. Is this a cover-up, I ask you? Project Blue Book would further add that during these sightings, an electrical storm was taking place. Yes, it was Blue Balls picking this one up within the Air Force. An electrical storm could of course be connected to ball lightning in that an electric storm is a thunderstorm. Blue Balls also felt that Pedro wasn't reliable as a witness because he wasn't highly educated. I will also add that in more recent years, Sheriff Clem's daughter, Ginger Clem, <laughs> has stated that Sheriff Clem's vehicle cut out too when Clem encountered the UFO, oh, which con girl. contradicts the information released by the Air Force stating that Clem just saw it. Project Blue Book's files have since been released and confirm that Clem was within 200 yards of the egg UFO. Ginger Clem. <laughs> At least it's not Ginger Clam. So, so whilst this is going on, we have yeah. lightning. Uh, we pretty much have a storm the whole time. Or just lightning. No rain, no wind, no thunder. Uh, depending on the severity of the storm, people's vision is going to be dramatically different. Did I say there was a storm? Mm -hmm. I said that well, you said they theorised that it was lightning. I didn't actually say there was a storm. I, think, I just said no, that's the explanation you, I think you they said gave, there was lightning I? at the time, which is why I asked if there was a storm or if it was just flashes of lightning, because you can have one without the other. Hence me asking. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it appears that Greybeard doesn't have an answer for me. No, I. The problem no, is, you don't. I, no, I do. I know the do, project. Do, what I can't do, remember is what you, I put in the next section, sure? and we're going to clarify it momentarily. But Blue Book said an electrical storm was taking the place at the time. Yes. So I didn't say that there was an electric storm taking place. Blue Book, said, Blue there Book said there was. Yeah. But no one else has said there was. You'll know why I'm stuttering momentarily. Okay. Tell me why you're stuttering, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Years later. There we go. Project Blue Book's chief scientific advisor, J. Allen Hynek, would remark that there was no evidence to suggest that ball lightning can turn cars off and on, or that there was an electrical storm in the area at this time. That's why. That's right, Hynek disputed the cover-up story of this close encounter of the second kind, going so far as to call this case one Hynek was not proud of. Is Hynek saying that he wasn't thorough enough, or is Hynek soft disclosing that this one is indeed a cover-up? 
an astronomer who graduated from Harvard called Donald H. Menzel, however, supported the claims of ball lightning and electrical storms. I guess, ultimately, anyone who wasn't there could say that this was or wasn't <laughs> the case. A lot of these sightings were outlined in the Leominster Daily Enterprise newspaper on November the 5th, 1957. This could make some suspicious, but where else are you going to hear about the news in 1957 but in newspapers? Obviously, Air Force and police records form a part of the research for this case too, and there were reportedly more than 20 independent calls to the popo. The police themselves claimed that there were no planes in trouble for the area, so we don't really have any logical explanations. This case is one of the most credible UFO sightings in history due to the massive number of independent witnesses, all with similar experiences. It's not 300 witnesses though, is it? Well, it's credible named witnesses. Name me those 300 witnesses. Bill. <laughs> Bill Third. <laughs> Billy Bob. Billy Bob Bilson, Jim, Bile, Ginger, <laughs> Ginger Clam, Ginger Clam, Ginger Snaps. Ten minutes later, Steve, Steve Wilco, Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> Annie May. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> Mother Teresa Chris Eubanks Senior Chris Eubanks Jr <laughs> Will Smith Sean William Scott The Rock Bigfoot The Undertaker <laughs> In summary Donald Trump We've travelled in this episode I mean that just disputes everything doesn't it You said credible I've just ruined it We've travelled in this episode, breezing past that, to the 2nd and 3rd of November 1957, where Sputnik 2 was launched. Hours after, yet before that launch, the Lebanon Sheriff's Office started getting some unusual calls. First up was Pedro Sorquido and his friend Joe Salaz, who saw a craft hurtling towards their truck. Pedro dived out to save himself, whilst Joe was left behind. Fortunately for the chaps, the craft just passed overhead, but as it did, accompanied by a blast sounding like thunder, the car lights and engine cut out. They came back on once the craft had passed. Next, Jim Wheeler called into the sheriff's office advising that he had seen an egg with a blue glow blocking a road. Jim's car too turned off as the egg was near, but as soon as the egg took off, the car turned back on. At 10.55, a married couple saw the UFO and again their car shut off until it passed. This UFO was being seen everywhere around Leveland. By 11pm, Jose Alvarez was having a sighting and just as with the others, it consisted of an object in the middle of the road and the car shutting off until the object was gone. By 12.05am, Newell Wright, the Texas Tech student, was out doing stuff when his car rolled to a stop and the lights cut out. In front of Newell was a giant egg UFO which shot off into the sky before Newell's car came back on. 
Local farmer Frank Williams saw the egg with a blue globe at 12.15am and yes, Frank's car cut out in the UFO's presence. At 12.45, Ronald Martin saw the UFO in the road and at 1.15am, James D. Long saw the UFO too. Officers were deployed to investigate and come 1.30am, the damn sheriff, Ware Clem, who like many in this case has sadly since passed away, saw the UFO too. That was the worst time for me to say that. Ware saw the UFO too along with his deputy. The object was red on this occasion and we linked the red and blue sightings to the Doppler shift. Officers Lee Hargrove and Floyd Levin also saw the craft in a separate sighting. Apologies, Waya. Waya! Apologies, apologies, Ginger. At 1.45am, Leveland Fire Marshal Ray Jones saw the UFO in the sky above and just as with everyone else, Ray's vehicle cut out. There were more than 15 independent calls and witnesses to the police on this night. More than 20, in fact. Many. With that, the Air Force were called in and interviewed Pedro, Jim and Newell, as well as, in some accounts, another three of the witnesses, but they did not interview the rest and were done in about seven hours. The Air Force and Blue Balls would claim that this one was a combination of ball lightning and an electrical storm. Years later, J. Allen Hynek would dispute the claims, but a Harvard astronomer supported them. Is there anything we need to double back over before we conclude, Mr. Moonwalker Clem? My apologies to the Clems. Hooray! <laughs> oh, the timing. So inappropriate timing. Well. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got nothing else then? <laughs> no. Are you saying that it was aliens? No. I think it was possibly experimental tech or because we are unsure of whether there was an actual storm or not. Could have just been lightning. However, with people's cars cutting out and coming back on, I'm leaning more towards experimental tech and the Air Force just coming back out to collect it mm-hmm. and to just kind of gauge what people's responses were to it. Yeah. Not aliens, but sick. So, I generally found this one really difficult to decide on as I researched it. How can so many people be wrong? So I'm not going to beat around your bush. I do believe that these people saw something. What I can't decide is whether that something was aliens, weather effects or experimental military tech, as you suggest. The fact that the Air Force took this one seriously makes me a bit suspicious, though. My gut leans slightly more towards military than aliens because there was no butt stuff but then if there was butt stuff I'd probably be suspicious. I find the weather stuff strangely hard to believe though. That many balls in one night doesn't feel right. Allegedly truthfully. Remember those balls are really 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 rare yet we're saying they were seen by 15-20 different people in different places. Oh that is That's, true. Yeah. yeah. But when I wrote this one, my feeling was that I'm not saying that it was aliens, but have I changed my mind as we've covered it out loud? No, I haven't. I'm not saying that it was aliens. I actually agree with yourself, Mr. Moonwalker. I lean towards it being military tech. 
just because of the Air Force's involvement and turning up and whatnot, and the fact they didn't interview everyone. Also, we don't know who called them. Yeah, that too. I think if this was aliens, they probably would have wanted to get every single bit of evidence there was and speak to every single person involved. Mm -hmm. But like I say, I do think the people saw something and I find it hard to believe that if ball lightning is so, so, so very rare, so much of it was about on one night. Just one little fact for you as we end today's probe. One of Hynek's five children, Joel, was a visual effects artist and was actually responsible for the camouflage effect in the movie Predator. Any final thoughts from yourself, Mr. Moonwalker? He is now upgraded to legend status. <laughs> and that is a wrap for today, folks. Thank you for listening to But It Was Aliens! Ah! you don't just want to listen but you also want to wear us to feel us on your skin you can buy our official secret available to all merchandise over at butitwasaliens.co.uk this will allegedly truthfully keep you safe when the aliens come think about that line if you have suggestions for future merch you'd like to see you can get these to us on the twitter at butitwasaliens or you can on the twitter or you can pop <laughs> in our publicly private Facebook group called Extraterrestrial Towers, which you can find connected to the But It Was Aliens Facebook page. If you're interested in listening to more, that is something more that you can do more? too. And better yet, it supports us to make more episodes. More! Crazy! If you head on over to patreon.com forward slash but it was aliens in exchange for the cost of a fairly large coffee or actually in exchange for the cost of a very medium coffee since we changed the pricing of the tiers, you can gain access to our side probes. Side probes. Paranormal cases too adult, extreme or downright steamy for the main podcast that we need to hide from the world but also share with those that can handle it. We have quite a few hours of content on Patreon at this point and it hasn't yet gotten any less weird. Thank you to everyone who supported the show so far and we hope we've taught you a lot. If you teach people nonsense, does it count as teaching them? Yes. They Excellent. Still learn. Pardon? They still learn. Whether they learn to yeah, not be like us, well, they still learn. <laughs> they're learning potentially in factual stuff. Is that learning? We're stooping yes. the world. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for this episode. So until next time, do Transformers have car insurance? The truth is up there. Hashtag I'm going to say no. I'm actually going to answer this because insurance works differently over here to in America. In America, you insure the person. Here, you insure the car. But they drive all over the world. Then they better have insurance. I think group. Optimus claim. Optimistic claim in this <laughs> <laughs>